If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we've been in the greatest sermon ever preached, which began in Matthew 5, talking about the kingdom of God. What is that place like? And what are the people who call the kingdom of God home, who claim citizenship in the kingdom of God, what are they like? What are their attributes? What are their ideas? How do they behave? I'm going to back up a little bit and re-read some verses from last week because they, they really fit into the message for this week. So I'll begin reading in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, when I look at videos like the one we saw, or the, we may see them in other places, I'm always reminded of some of the, the blessings the Lord has given to me as I've traveled to other parts of this world. I've been to seven different countries, uh, twice to Argentina, I've been to Indonesia and the Philippines, and I've been to Central America as well as two countries in Africa. And it's always amazed me when I've gone on these short trips, the people that are there, they are so happy, and yet they have so little. And not only is it that they have so little and yet seem to possess so much joy, but they also are so giving from a perspective and from a position of having so little. They have a desire to give when they are in a place of having so much need. And it's always kind of made me think about that and ponder it or meditate on that. And is their ability to be in that place simply an expression of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, where Paul says the Lord loves a cheerful giver? Or was there something deeper going on? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is a fancy word for money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or not, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Of all the trips I've been on, while I've always appreciated and I've noticed the giving, what I noticed the most was the ladies in the kitchen. Because it just seems whatever was coming from that kitchen was just awesome. But they would be gathering together for the team of ministers and, and pastors that had come to be able to teach. And they would be gathering there to cook for hours when they themselves had needs in their own lives. And yet there seemed to be this peace in them. There seemed to be this assurance in them. 
that even if they did not have, that God would take care of them and then they would not lack? Was it that they didn't have so that even if they got something, it was simple to just give it away? I didn't sense that. They understood the value of what they were giving, and yet it was within their hearts to give it away. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? I need to read that again. Matthew 6, 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed, clothes the grass of the field, which is today, which is today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. And that's when it hit me, of the people who were serving us. They actually believed that phrase. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is translated in the New King James, which we read, do not worry. In the New International Version of the Holy Bible, it's do not worry. In the New American Standard Version of the Bible, it's do not be anxious. In the Living Bible, it's don't worry. And the old King James is take no thought. I think you get the message. Do not worry. Take no thought. The actual Greek there or Aramaic that's there literally translates remove anxiety or worry from yourself. All of us are familiar with worry. Don't look at me so pious even with masks on. I can see you're trying to be pious right now. All of us are familiar with it. But all of us also know that worry requires great amounts of, ener of, of energy. Worry requires, while it requires great amounts of, of, of energy, it requires very little amount of faith. And worry produces nothing, absolutely nothing of lasting benefit. So I wasn't just satisfied with the phrase, don't worry, because they had more than that. So going deeper into the root word of that, the root meaning of that word, it's not just don't worry. It's don't become distracted. Don't become distracted by all these other things. Now some would say, but if, how do you not become distracted when all these things are so visible and so present and here in every part of our lives? Keep reading. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Oh, someone just say amen to that. <laughs> Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. We need to ask ourselves today, what is bringing us to the place, or what is causing us in our everyday lives to become not anxious, not worried, but distracted. We all have things to attend to. We all have the need not only to budget money, but budget time and energy. Because none of us has any of those things in unlimited supply. 
when clothing or food or shelter become the sole purpose for living, we have become distracted. And the next step after becoming distracted, we have become disquieted. Because when we try to make sure, and it's all on our own abilities, we don't lean on him. We don't lean on God. We don't realize that even when we do have all these things, that the only reason we do is because God is our sole provider. Our Lord takes care of us. And that is the thinking that we need to have as his people. My message this morning is simply kingdom thinking. So how do we move out of that place that is so common around us? My goodness. You don't even have to get to the very end of the newscast. Just turning it on and hearing the headlines and there's reason to be anxious. I was walking by a newsstand the last time I was in Manhattan and I had forgotten how, how dangerous it could be to look at the headline of a newspaper. We become distracted. But God has given us, our Lord and Savior has given us reasons to move past that. Well, what are those reasons? Such a great question you ask. The first one is that there is more to life than these things. Verse 25 says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? God himself, the Bible says in Genesis, breathed life into you. He gave you the ability to think. He gave you the ability to laugh. He gave you the ability to play. And more than making sure that we have enough food for all these things, that is our Heavenly Father's responsibilities. Life is more than worrying about what we have. Life is more than worrying about whether or not we have enough clothing or we have the latest gadget or we have all these things that we think we need. We show concern for these things. That's proper. We give attention to these things because God is asking his people to be good stewards. But when they become the center of life, when they become the center of our thinking, when they become the center of our purpose for being, they have become distractions. And life is more than that. I know some of you may disagree with me, but life is more than good Italian food. It's more than good Spanish food. Oh, that was so painful to say. <laughs> life is more than this. There's so much more to life. And when we live in a place where the distractions aren't possessing us. You see, having money is not the problem. It's when money has us. And we need to be in a place where life is lived in the purpose that it was intended to be. So the first reason the Lord gave was that there's more to life than these things. The second thing he focused on, he wanted to give us an object lesson. He says, look at the animals. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26 says. For they neither snow, uh, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he makes a 
question that we need to answer and understand it's rhetorical. Are you not of more value than they? You ever seen an elephant trying to make ends meet by selling food in the marketplace? You ever seen a deer trying to gather fruit? We need to understand that we need to show with our lives that we believe what our Father says by the way in which we conduct ourselves. And that we have the answer to his question deep within us. Are you not of greater value than they? Simply, don't you realize how much you mean to God? How valuable you are to him. How precious you are to him. How special you are to him. I used to, when I first started preaching, use the example that God has your picture in his wallet. Now, he's got it on his cell phone. Because <laughs> nobody keeps pictures in their wallets anymore. God cares about you. And his care for us is one of the largest reasons for us to move past this place of anxiety, to move past this place of worry, and move past the place of distraction. God cares. And he will provide for you. You can trust him. Go ahead and work. Go ahead and do the things you need to do. All of us are called to be responsible. But don't become so focused that we become distracted. The next lesson that the Lord gives us regarding this whole issue of worry, this whole issue of anxiety, is centered on basically a question he gives to all of us. What good would it do? Which of you, by worrying, verse 27 says, can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you, by worrying... Anxiety produces nothing that's positive. It will age you more quickly. It will make you less healthy. It will drive you crazy. You and I were created for better things. You and I were fashioned by God from the beginning of time for better things than nervous conditions and ulcers. He has great plans for you. He has great desires for you. And anyway, even if you don't believe that God's got great plans for you, what good will worrying do anyway? Now, there's a danger here. Because we worry, and it puts us into this frantic place, and then we see things getting done, and we think, well, it's the worry that worked. No. It's God that worked. All we did by, all, all we accomplished by worrying was just age ourselves a little more. The next lesson he teaches was that we need to understand all of the things in our life depend on God anyway. Verse 28 says, consider the lilies. Did you ever see flowers with this worried look on their face? You never saw a rose bush popping anxiety pills. And yet, God provides. Now, I need to be balanced here. 
Because all of us are in different places in our walk with the Lord. All of us are in a different part of our journey that this thing called life. And if there come points in our lives where we need certain assistance, fine. But the end goal, what we need to understand, is the purpose of your existence is a whole lot more than heightened medication. The purpose of your existence, the purpose of my existence, is to be able to walk in the peace and joy and love of our Savior. Because everything that I want in life depends on God anyway. So pursue excellence. Go for it. Have high standards. But know that it depends upon God. God provides for the animals. He provides for the flowers. And you know why? It says all for his glory. And he'll provide for you. All for his glory glory. The next reason he gives the people who are listening to this amazing sermon on that mountainside is that, well, when you do this, that's, you're basically behaving the same way the world does. Verse 32 says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need. This is how people with no hope behave. This is how people with no future behave. And you and I have hope. You and I have a future. And his name is Jesus Christ. This is how people who've not been blessed react to things. But blessed people, people who are blessed in the knowledge of God, rest in that. Because God is good. We need to believe that God provides. He provides for us. I've shared my story of years ago when I lost my job unexpectedly, and God provided. He provided a job. It was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. It was a job. And he provided that job in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I started January 15th. That's not where you want to be in the first month of winter in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And so I prayed, Lord, I need another job. And on July 1st, I had that other job in San Antonio, Texas. God provides in what might seem like a sense of humor, but he provides. And so I made my prayers razor sharp. Lord, I need a job home in New York with my family. And he provided that job. But even in the midst of his provision, as I'm driving home from Texas, I get a call that my dad passed away. See, all of these things he provides and gives me the strength. Because he, he knew I was going to need a couple of hours of time along with him to process that. Well, I had 16 hours of time to process that. God provided. Do I wish he would have provided differently? Oh, yeah. But I can't deny his hand. I can't deny his provision. And the biggest reason he gives us, the biggest opportunity he provides for us to move out of this place of worry, out of this place of anxiety, out of this place of being so strangled and this place of distraction is in verse 33. Verses we all know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we seek him first... All these things get added unto us. 
You know, for the 15 years I umpired baseball, youth baseball, although I umpired up to college, one of the greatest moments I had, just personal joy because of who I am and I enjoy being around kids, was watching a, a little kid, say 12 or, or 13, hit a home run. Because you could see the look on his face. He had just found his reason for living. He hit a home run at the age of 12. Everything else in life, nothing mattered. Yet my responsibility as the umpire behind the plate was to make sure as this energetic, overjoyed, ecstatic preteen, as he rounded the bases, that he touched them. Because if he touched second base and touched third base and touched home plate but missed first base, I had the unfortunate about a handful of times, opportunity to raise my hand and call him out. Because the rules say, even on a home run, you must touch every base, and that begins with first base. It doesn't matter what else you do if you don't take care of first things first. Amen. Seek him first, and all that other stuff will be added unto you. Amen. We focus on his kingdom and his righteousness on aligning our hearts with his purposes. Our first priority should be the kingdom of God in the world and God's righteousness in our lives. Because anything else is a distraction. Funniest thing was I was umpiring a seven-year-old game. I mean, so the fences are really close. And the kid hit the ball over the fence. The look on his face saw the biggest smile you ever wanted to see. And he, like a rocket, ran toward third base. <laughs> and I could see even the opposing team telling, no, 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 come this way. See, we need to do it God's way. No matter how cute you think you are, we need to do it God's way. Seek him first. And then it says, and all these things that you had been seeking, all these things that you thought were life's purpose, all these things that really are just distractions, they'll be added unto you. Amen. Now some will say, well, if I can make it look like I'm seeking God first, then he will give me all these things. You're missing the point. The phrase here is like to add to the top of an already full plate. When I seek him first, I have all that I need. When I seek him first, he may add things, but he's adding to a life that is already full, that is already satisfied, that is already complete in Jesus. Amen. And then we can be instruments in giving to others and helping them know the joy that we do. And the last reason he gives is that the future belongs to God anyway. In verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Don't you have enough to think about today? You see, the future is God's realm anyway, and his alone, because only he knows it. It's a wonderful phrase I found in preparing for this message. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. So, so many of us, that's so true. And there are things happening in our world, 
There are things happening within our country. There are things happening within our communities that cause concern, that make us anxious. How is this going to turn out? How is that going to turn out? What about this? What about that? There seems so much uncertainty. And in the natural, in what we can see, there may be. But I'm here to say, in the spiritual, God is still on the throne. And he will never come off that throne. What's the old song that they don't really sing much anymore, but... One day at a time, sweet Jesus... That's all I'm asking from you. Lord, help me to take one day at a time. So hopefully, I've impressed upon all of us, myself included, the need to seek ye first. And hopefully you, that sinks within our hearts as much as all that you're really going to remember is this kid hitting a home run and heading to third base. Seek first. And all these other things, God's got. God will take care of. They're in his hands anyway, whether you and I worry about them or not. Stand with me, please.